Second Peter 3, and we're going to look at the first four verses tonight. Um, looking forward to our time together. Before we pray, I have a question I want you to think about, and then after we pray, we'll answer the question with some of your um, possibly funny stories. But what's the worst thing you ever forgot, and then you remembered when it was too late or awkward? Anybody ever have anything happen like that? You forgot something, maybe it was a person, a name, uh, an important date, something like that, and then you remembered after the fact and it was too late and then it was just awkward. Um, but let's pray and then I'd like to hear your input. God, we love you and thank you for this evening that we can gather tonight. We thank you um, for the, the word that we have before us tonight. And God, I do pray uh, that you would use it to uh, do a great work in our hearts. God, we thank you for each one that, that is here. Uh, thank you for the kids downstairs, and God, we just ask that uh, in our time uh, together in your house that you would draw us closer to yourself, uh, but that we'd, you would also draw us closer to each other. God, we thank you for your goodness uh, to us once again, and certainly, as we've said, you are uh, so kind to us, God, and I pray that we would never take that kindness for granted, uh, but that we would just, um, just feel your love and, and your presence in our lives, and that it would draw us to this place where we seek to truly worship you in spirit and in truth. Be with us now as we look into this passage tonight. May we glean from it what you would have for us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So anybody have a story, something that you forgot, and then when you remembered it was too late, it was awkward? Um, anybody? Stephanie. <laughs> this is where they take the baby away. <laughs> At least you remembered the baby. That could have been worse. <laughs> could have been worse. Somebody else? Mary, you had your hand up. <laughs> yep, that happens. Missed appointments. <laughs> Never lived that down. <laughs> Justin. It was a bad idea. <laughs> Anybody else, Dave? <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> did they cover for you in the meeting? Yes, they did. And Just they made up stuff? Yeah. <laughs> Anybody else? Something you forgot? Leah. <laughs> shouldn't have forgot but you forgot any more anybody else justin <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, certainly, we, we've all had instances where we have had something that was important, something we should have remembered, and for whatever reason, it left our mind. Um, happens to me all the time. Names. I, I love being around people, but I don't do well with names. I have to know you for a little while before I really get your name, and so I'm very hesitant to call anybody any name. Instead, I'll just like, hey, how are you? Like, no reference to any name. Um, big events, I'm not always the best at remembering. Uh, I have forgotten a few surgeries before, um, which hasn't been good. Not like that I was supposed to have, but that other people had. So that, that's always awkward. Um, but we're, we're forgetful people, aren't we? Um, things that, that should be important to us, things that we should know, um, things that should be stuck in our minds. Uh, oftentimes, we're quick to forget those things. Uh, but it's also interesting, at the same time, Brianna and I have conversations about this often, of how much how many things we remember that there's no purpose to remembering them? Um, whether it's song lyrics, anybody else hear a song that you maybe learned a song 20 years ago, haven't heard it in forever, and then you hear it in the background, and you, I can sing every lyric, but I can't remember my kids' names when they're in front of me and I'm staring them in the face, right? Uh, so we all have those things, things that we, we, uh, we forget that we should remember, things that are helpful to us when we do remember, uh, and, and yet sometimes we, we still find ourselves forgetting those things. And as I was reading the opening portion of chapter 3 uh, on Monday, uh, it just it, the idea of, of remembering to remember came to me. And as we go through the Word of God, there are many times where God tells us to remember certain things. Uh, they used to build altars in the Old Testament. Why? To remember. So that when, when certain things took place, they wanted to commemorate those things so that as generations would pass by, they would purposefully remember those things that took place so they could pass them on to their children. And as Peter is writing here, as he's writing to these believers, as he's, he's encouraging them to become confident in their faith, and he's telling them that there's some things uh, that are vitally important for them to remember. If they forget them, it was going to be to their detriment. If they remember them, it will be for their good. And there are, I would say there are many things in the Word of God that are like that, that if we, if we forget them, it's going to be to our detriment. If we forget them, that there, there's going to be things that, that we start to slip in only because we've chosen not to remember what God has told us, told us to do or instructed us to do, and so we need to remember to remember. Uh, who has some good memory hacks, some ways that you, um, some things that you use to memorize or to remember things? Anybody? Ethan? Yeah, they, they do say that's true about names. If you can say somebody's name like four or five times in the first few minutes that you meet them, it's going to stick. It doesn't work for me, but other people it works for. Anybody else? Any? Ethan. Ethan. <laughs> Get married, yeah. <laughs> yep, our wives are our best memory, right? Always bringing those things up we forget, and there's a lot of them. <laughs> Heidi. Post-it notes, that works. <laughs> I have tried to set reminders in my phone for things, and that doesn't always work. The best What's that? <laughs> Forget the, yeah. The best thing that I do that works for me is I text myself. Anybody else text themselves? I have a whole stream of a conversation with myself, and every so often I'll go back and just check that stream of text. I'm like, oh yeah, I forget that I was supposed to do that thing, but now I remember. And so there, there's all sorts of different hacks, um, but, but God has given us a way to remember, hasn't he? He's given us his word. And so often we're, we're guilty of forgetting the things that God has told us, he's instructed us in, and we're like, man, I, I wish there was a way that I could remember that, that I could uh, have that thing in my mind always. And, and he's given us a way for that to happen. He's given us his word. Um, the, the old pictures in the Old Testament when the Jewish people used to have the word of God written on their foreheads and on their hands, what was that for? To remember to remind them of the promises that God had given them, to the, the covenants that God had made with them, to the law that God had instructed them in, to remember those things. And so uh, even as we get into the New Testament, even as we're in Second Peter, there are some things that, that we're called to remember, and Peter gets into that here uh, tonight in verses 1 through 4. So let's read verse number 1, and we'll jump in together. Peter says, This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds, by way of remembrance. Um, as, as Peter begins this last section of the letter as we know it, he calls them this name that is familiar to them, and it's this, this term, beloved. He, 
He uses this phrase, as we've said, as a term of endearment because he cared for them. He cared for their souls. He, he cared for the way in which they walked. He cared for their relationship with God. He cared for, for so many things about them. And so he uses this term, beloved, to, to let them know that the things that I'm about to write to you, I'm writing as somebody who cares for you very deeply. Uh, we, we all understand that we receive instruction better when it's coming from somebody who we can tell actually cares for us. If it's somebody who's just being uh, cold-hearted towards us or just wanting us to do what they want us to do, we're, we're less likely to receive that as cheerfully. But as Peter writes and calls them his beloved, he's reminding them uh, that he has an investment in them, that he cares for them deeply, and he wants to see them succeed in their lives. And so he uses this term to show that he cares for the state of their lives, not in a greedy, lustful way, as we saw of the false teachers in the previous chapter, uh, but he cares for them in a spiritually nurturing way, like a mom would care for her newborn child. Beloved, I, I want you to understand this. I want you to, to get what I'm about to say. I want you to remember these things that I'm about to instruct you in. And so Peter says, Beloved, I'm writing to you to stir up your minds by way of remembrance. Now, if Peter's writing to them, to remind them to remember, what does that mean to us? They, they needed reminding, like us. They, they were prone to forget. Um, who here is prone to forget the, the good things from the Word of God? When are we most prone to forget those things? In trial. And weren't they facing a trial? They were going through a difficulty. Their faith, in some regards, was being attacked. Uh, there were those around them who had been pulled astray, uh, astray, and Peter was concerned for those who were left. He was concerned for those who had gone wandering away. And so as Peter uh, writes to them and calls them beloved, as he writes to them and lets them know that he's writing them to stir up their minds by way of remembrance, he's revealing to them that, that there were those around them, and even including themselves, that had forgotten the instructions that God had given. Now, who, who better to write this than Peter? Was it not Peter who forgot so many good things that Christ taught him as he walked with Jesus as a disciple? And so as we've looked at the whole tone of the letter, really first and second Peter, uh, Peter oftentimes will get this, this uh, will have this idea about him that he carries with him a tone of arrogance. I don't think Peter's writing first and second Peter with arrogance. I think he's truly writing as somebody who has been through what some of these believers have been through, and so he's, he's trying to encourage them uh, to not follow the path that he himself had bent down. And so, beloved, I write unto you in, uh, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, by way of remembrance. Certainly, as we said earlier, there are many places in, in the Bible that we could go um, uh, to look at the instructions that God has given us and how the people of God commemorated those instructions. And here, Peter is basically saying, hey, if you want to remember the words of God, you need to stir up your minds by way of remembrance. Now, we're approaching, uh, we're in the holiday season, Thanksgiving through New Year's. A lot of family events happen, and uh, there, are, there are certain things that happen this time of year that trigger your memory to go way back to yesteryear. Anybody else have those things ever happen? whether it's a certain smell, a certain sight, a certain gathering, and our minds just go back. And, and there are many ways that our minds are triggered through hearing or seeing or experiencing through, through the senses that God has given us. But Peter's saying here, I simply want you to remember by way of remembering. I want you to stir up your minds and think back over the ways that you have been instructed in, and, and I want you to commit to keeping these ways from this point forward. And if they did this, it would be to their benefit. In Psalm 26, 1, the psalmist says, Judge me, O Lord, I have walked in mine integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord, therefore I shall not slide. Uh, the psalmist is saying, because I've walked in the way of the Lord, I know that I'm going to be safe. And in essence, that's similar to what Peter is saying here. He's calling them to remember the things that were written to them uh, already. Um, as we think about Peter's words in verse 1, does anything significant stick out to you uh, as in... As, as by way of the reason that he's writing to them or in the reason that he's writing to them. What does it show about Peter's heart? What, what does it show about them as, as human beings? Anybody? We've already talked about it some. 
I, I think for me it just shows that we're quick to forget. Even though we know it, we're quick to forget. Uh, even though we, we understand it, we're quick to let it go. Um, even though we, we have been familiar with it, uh, we're quick to become unfamiliar with it. And so Peter wanted to stir up their minds. Um, we'll continue on in verse number two. Peter says, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment uh, of us, uh, 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 of us the apostles, of our Lord, of the Lord and Savior. Sorry. Um, and so Peter is writing to remind them. He's stirring up their minds by way of remembrance that they would be mindful. So he's rem- reminding them to remember the words that were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Um, and what is significant about that verse? Because Peter's, Peter is, is drawing a parallel here that maybe some would not have agreed with in that day. What was that parallel? I think everyone's sleeping tonight. The prophets with the Savior, the prophets with the apostles. What, what, what is Peter saying? Like, we, you believe the words of the prophets and you take seriously the words of the prophets, those who have gone before you, but Peter's saying, you need to also take serious whose words? The apostles' words. He's putting them on the same playing field, that it's not the prophets are here and the apostles were down here. But Peter's saying, no, you need to listen to our words because we're the apostles of who? Of Jesus Christ. And we're apostles under the authority of who? Of Jesus Christ. And what was the, the significant reason that Peter was writing this? Well, what did he just get done instructing them over? The false teachers. Now, who, who gave the false teachers their authority? Themselves. They were, they were writing with an authority that was, uh, that was only um, given by themselves. There was no one backing them. There was no one standing behind them. They were basically just doing what they wanted to get what they wanted. Uh, but here, Peter, he's instructing them to understand that, that what was written before in the prophets and what is being spoken to you now It's on the same equal playing field, and you need to heed it in in the same way. You need to take it seriously. Um, And so as Peter is instructing them, it almost feels like there might have been uh, this idea that that they they were desiring to do what the prophets said, but they were at the very same time ignoring what the apostles had said. And Peter says it's time for that to stop. Uh, we have been instructed by Jesus Christ to bring you these truths, and, and this is what you need to do. You need to believe what we're saying. You need to heed what we're saying, uh, because what we're saying has come straight uh, from Jesus himself. And so Peter, Peter is encouraging them to view them in the same way. And so he tells them in verse 2 again, be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Uh, Peter is, is making an argument here for the validity of the word of God. And, and it came in different ways. It came, as we said, through the prophets, and now it's coming through the apostles. And uh, as, as Hebrews was written down the road, what does Hebrews say about the word of God? In Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Peter wanted them to know that the words that were spoken by the prophets were still as powerful as, um, or, or were as the words that were spoken by the apostles were still as powerful as the words that were spoken by the prophets. Um, I, again, I would encourage you sometime to read through Psalm 119 and see what, what the psalmist had to say about the work that the word of God does in the hearts of men. Um, we read it the last two Sunday mornings after we read our scripture reading, Isaiah 40 and verse 8, the grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of the Lord, uh, the word of our God shall stand forever. And so Peter was trying to get them to understand the, the, the power or the magnitude of the words that were being spoken, the instructions that were being given, and he wanted them to remember. Uh, when we get ready to leave our kids at home, we're always quick to give them instructions. Uh, and why do we give them instructions? Because we love them, right? And we don't want our house to be burnt down when we get home. There's a couple of reasons in there. And so we'll give our kids instructions. And uh, this is a, an old illustration, but if, if we got home and uh, our, we had given our kids a list of instructions and uh, they, they memorized those instructions while they were gone, they talked about the instructions that we gave them while, while we were gone, um, they wrote 
you know, paragraphs about the instructions that we gave them while they were gone, yet when we got home, they didn't follow any of those instructions. Did it really matter that they knew them? No, because they weren't living them out. And that's basically what Peter is getting at here. He said, I, I want you to remember, and in remembering, it's going to change the way that you live your life. In remembering, it's, it's going to change the way uh, that you act towards God and act towards others. Um, as I've already shared, I have memory problems often. And uh, as, as Brianna often gives me instructions to go to the store, I was at the store the other day, and I was on the phone with her, and she told me what we needed. I said, send me a text or else I'm going to forget. Why? Because I'm a forgetful guy. We, Anderson wanted, he wasn't feeling well last Sunday night, he wanted orange Gatorade. And Brianna told me from here to the, gas, the Jolly gas station, like three times, what, what color Gatorade does he want? Orange, orange, orange. And just before I go in, what color again? Like, I promise you, this isn't low on my list. I do love my son, but what color Gatorade does he want? Orange, Dan, just get the orange Gatorade. And, and I'm, I'm prone to forget. And if that's true about simple things like what color Gatorade my kid wants to drink, um, I know it's true of myself also about the Word of God, that I'm prone to forget. Even if I care about it, even if I'm passionate about it at times, I'm prone to forget. And so we need to keep it a priority, and I need, I need to teach myself uh, to remember. I, I was reminded last week, uh, there was a situation, several situations that came up, and uh, I, I was reminded of the power of the Word of God in having a healing nature in our lives. Anybody ever else, uh, anybody else ever experienced that? the healing nature that the, the Word of God has in us. Um, and it reminded me of when, when our kids get a cut, uh, oftentimes Brianna will want to put some type of ointment on them. Growing up in my house, we didn't have ointment. Like, if we got cut, we barely had Band-Aids. Like, just put some toilet paper on it. It'll be fine. You, you, my mom just didn't spend money on those frivolous things. Um, but Brianna always has ointment. She always covers whatever wounds our kids have with ointment, and they hate it. I don't want that stuff. I don't want that stuff. But there's sometimes when they come and say, hey, can you put some of that, that stuff on my cut? Why do they say that? Because it, it makes it feel better. They know it works. And that's how it is with the Word of God. There's times where we, we willingly neglect it and we willingly forget it. But when we truly look at it, the Word of God has a healing power and we should crave it. We should desire it. And that's why we need to remember it. That's why we need to, to have a constant flow of it into our lives so that uh, something will stick. So when troubles arise, we have something to cling to in those moments. And so Peter's urging them to cleave to the Word of God, and in doing so, they'll find that it, it is a, an unending, un, unending well that never runs dry, as opposed to the, the empty wells uh, that the false prophets were, as we saw last week. Any thoughts on verses 1 and 2? Dave. Definitely. And we, I think we're just, just as bad, too. We hear all these voices coming at us in every different direction, and we have a hard time establishing who deserves to have an authority in, in, in my life. And I just think that this, uh, this might be different from things that we say today, hmm. but it just seems like it's the same thing, is, look, prophets, apostles, these are the people that we should be able to listen to. If anyone's got a problem with us, and I think this is what it's talking about back in chapter 2, verse 11, where it's saying that even, even angels, whether what, whatever that means, whether that's demonic angels or, or heavenly angels, or whatever, whatever that is, is angels don't contradict. Right. That is a dangerous place to be, to contradict the man of God. You know, you don't, people just don't do that. Yeah. And, but humans, we're, we're, all, we're all about it. We're, yeah. we're, 
definitely. I like that thought. Anybody else? Any thoughts? Verses 1 and 2? Justin. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Somebody else? Any other thoughts? Uh, I, somebody once told me, it was, this was like, I don't know, probably eight years ago. I had preached a Sunday morning, and I don't know why they told me this. People are weird sometimes in what they tell you. Um, <laughs> it was like the following Sunday, and like, oh, we really enjoyed that message. Sunday. We were talking on the way home about, about the things that we disagreed with you about in your message. But we really enjoyed the message. I'm like, what? Why, why are you telling me that first off? It's really a strange conversation to be having right now. And I don't really know how to respond to this in this moment. I'm fine if, you, if people disagree with me. But when a message is preached, it should be centered on what? The Word of God. And oftentimes when, when we find things, so many things to disagree with in preaching, it's because there's more preference being preached than there actually is the Word of God. Um, if, if we approach the Word of God with the same heart and we have the same spirit working in us as preaching is going on, then we should in some way be receiving the same message. I, I read a quote earlier this week. It said, preaching is just taking what God has said and seeing what God will say through it to us now. And I, I agree with that statement. I think it's a great statement that it's, we're just taking the Word of God and we're declaring it for what it is and allowing the Spirit of God to work in us. When, when people start to twist Scripture and manipulate Scripture, it's because they're feeling the weight of doing something with the Word of God. And that's a bad place to be as, as a preacher. I don't, I don't have to do anything with the Word of God. Who does the work? The Holy Spirit does. Now, that's not to say I don't have to study and I prepare an outline. But I'm not the one who does a work inside your hearts. It's, it's not me that, that controls the outcome of a service. It's our dependency upon the Spirit of God, the ultimate authority of the Word of God. And that goes to what Justin and Dave were saying here, that, that maybe one of the reasons that people were slipping away in this day was because they were, were not looking to the one who had true authority. And so we need to go back to that. And that's, why I think, why Peter makes that statement that they weren't just apostles but they were apostles of the Lord and Savior. They were apostles of one with true authority, and, and they should be received as such. And again, I, d I don't think that was written in arrogance. Um, I think Peter understood the weight of being an apostle. Like, it wasn't something that he just casually talked about, but he understood the, the weight that came with that in the sense that he would give an account as an apostle, that, that he would have to answer to God for what he did with, with the word that God gave him. Uh, any other thoughts in verses... One and two. All right, we'll move on in verse number three. So Peter tells them in, in verse number one that he wants to stir up their minds by way of remembrance. In verse number two, he says he wants them to be mindful of the words that were spoken by the prophets and by the apostles uh, of Christ. And, and then he kind of gets into the why. And the why is, is found in verse number three. He says, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts. And so maybe they, these people were saying, Peter, you're always talking about the same thing. You always tell us the same thing over and over again. You tell us that we need to listen to the Word of God. We don't know uh, what other communication they had. I'm sure there, there could have been other communication. We know we don't have every letter written that every apostle ever wrote. Um, we know that even in, in Paul's case, as he wrote to the church at Corinth, and so, so as, as Peter's writing, he's reminding them why it is he's writing, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts. Why, why do we need to stick to the word? Why do we need to take seriously the word of God? Because our natural in inclination is to wander away, and also because of the influence of those around us. We have a nat natural inclination in our hearts to wander away from the word of God, and at the very same time, there are those who would, would, would look at us as prey. They would seek to devour us as prey, to pull us away from the Word of God. So truthfully, we're fighting from two ends, 
And Peter's saying, you need to remember what I've written to you, first off, because of your own hearts, because you're prone to forget. Secondly, because of the scoffers that are, are walking in and they, they want to do with you what they please. And so you need to remember because of these things. Uh, this idea of the last days, we've talked about this already. It does not mean um, that Peter was mistaken, and, and he's actually going to get into some of that here, uh, in the timeline of Christ. Did Peter know the timeline of Christ's return? No. But what did Peter believe? That he, he was coming again. And so that means from the time Christ went to heaven until the time Christ returns, what are we living in? The last days. The last days. We're, we're in the last days. And there, there are so many people that want to make such a big deal over the last days, and we have to do all these things. Well, how long has it been since Peter wrote? A long time. And if Peter claimed that they were in the last days, then, then I think we too can believe that we're in the last days. And what does that simply mean? It means that Christ is going to return when Christ is going to return. But until then, we stick true to the word of God. And so Peter says, because of your own hearts and because of the scoffers, uh, you, you need to stick to the word of God. And in these last days, the scoffing is only going to get worse and worse. They're, they're only going to get more, uh, more, more vicious in their attempts to uh, pull you away. Uh, they're going to be stronger in their mocking. The false teachings are going to become more prevalent and more readily available. Certainly, we see that's true in our day and age. Um, you, can, you can Google anything you want, and you can find it to be true if you search long enough, right? It, all it takes is, is Brett back there is the master Googler. It's basically what he does for work. And so when you have a question, just ask Brett, and he will find it for you. Um, but but that's, that's what we can do on the Internet. Like, is the Internet bad? I'm not one of those. I love the Internet. Um, but certainly it has its, its negatives to it. And so Peter wanted them to, them to know that in the last days, these scoffers are going to come in, and they're going to be they're going to be fast. They're, they're going to attack them in a furious manner, and they needed to be aware of these things. Um, this idea of a scoffer, as I said, it means a false teacher, a mocker, one who would deride or, or seek to derail those who were walking in a certain direction. Um, and Peter said, you need to be aware of these things. Now, there, there are multi, multiple ways that scoffing can happen, right? I think there's, there's scoffing that would be an outright attack uh, against the Word of God, so saying, oh, you're, you're a fool for believing anything about the Bible. But I also, also think there could be a scoffing that could take place in the form of, oh, you're just a little bit off. Come follow me, and I'll show you the rest of the truth, right? So it's this wide spectrum of things that could fall in the, in the place of scoffing. And so Peter's not just saying, hey, watch out for one thing, but he says, keep your eyes open everywhere. Why? Because they're going to come and they're going to seek to attack you, and they're going to they're they're come in walking after their own lusts to get what they want to get. Any thoughts on verse number three as we think about the scoffers who are coming in the last days? How do you identify a scoffer? So how, how will we know then? Knowing the word of God. And so is it important for us to remember? It is. And it, it's such a, a simple formula. But isn't it oftentimes the most simple things that we're prone to neglect in our lives? The, the simple instructions that God gives us, the simple ways that he desires to lead us, those are often the things that we neglect. And so Peter wanted them to be aware that these scoffers were coming in and they were seeking to lure them away. Now we could go back to chapter 2 and we could see all about the scoffers. We could go back to First Peter and see all about the different types of scoffers that would come in. And I think in part, Peter is just seeking to make them aware uh, that these scoffers are there, that they're seeking to pull them away, and, and that they needed to stick to the Word of God. Has anybody had an instance in your life where you started to walk down a road spiritually, and then you realized before you got too far into it that you were walking in a wrong path? Anybody? Anybody want to share anything about that? Seth. I had a cousin who I was friends with, and I was in high school. And we were friends in high school. Um, come to find out, he was a Roman Christian. And we were good friends, and we talked a lot. And um, I just let him tell me what he had to say. Because, you know, when you're new, you're new to the Bible, you don't know where. 
Yeah, yeah, it, it can happen. A lot of people fall into that trap. Anybody else? Something you'd share about a time where you, where you started to get lured away spiritually? Like, certainly it's not our proud moments, right? Like, we're not. Ethan? Definitely, yeah, it can, it can pull you away from the truths that you know to be true, right? Those moments of doubt. Any other thoughts on that? Or an experience that you've seen in somebody else's life where, where they have given way to the scoffers? Uh, I've, shared, I've shared the ones in my life, several people that are close to me that started here and ended up here because they, they stopped taking the word of God for what it said and they started listening to what solely to what man had to say about the Word of God. And that's where we fall into to trouble, when we give more credit to what people say than what the Word of God says. Somebody left uh, by my office door today a stack of Warren Wiersbe's books. Um, I'm excited to dig into them. But you know what those books are not? They're not Scripture. Warren Wiersbe's a great writer. There, there are plenty of great commentaries out there. But what do we have to take them as? Works of men. And what, what can all works of men have within them? Flaws. And so uh, whether these people are, are meaning to, to be scoffers who lure us away or whether it's, it's something that piques our interest and we run a rabbit trail and we get lured away, Peter is basically just saying we, we need to be aware that in the last days these scoffers are going to come and, and they're going to be fueled by their own passions, by their own lust to get what they want out of you. Um, certainly in our day and age, we, we know that there are many people who could be labeled as scoffers or false teachers, and, uh, and, and we need to be aware of them as such so that we don't give them um, ourselves as Peter was concerned about here. Any other thoughts on verse number three? Dave. Yeah, no, I, I think that's true. I, I have that conversation many times with people that it's, uh, I just don't believe God could or would. Well, if, if, if God is something that we have fully figured out, then we've got a problem, right? And so there, there has to be some aspect of, of mystery uh, to God and his, his grandness or his greatness or the way that he works is beyond our understanding. Um, and so I, I like that illustration. I like that thought as well that there almost needs to be a part of God that makes us uncomfortable, right? Like, because we can't fully figure him out because there are things that are beyond our understanding. Anybody else? Any thoughts? Yeah. Hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, th- those are great thoughts. Um, and, and all of those things can lure them away. And, and that's the interesting thing. You know, Peter warns about the scoffers um, that are outside of us. But I was listening to Alistair Begg this week, and one of the things, in one of the sermons I listened to, he kept making the statement, but my own biggest enemy is me. My own biggest enemy is within me. I'm the one who, who oftentimes will lead my own heart astray to where I'm not believing the things that I once believed. And, and I, I do think that there, that's true. Um, and so we have to be aware of those that are outside of us. We have to even be aware of our own selves because we're prone to leading our, our own hearts astray uh, when we give into those thoughts. Anybody else? Verse number three. All right, verse number four. And this is what the scoffers would say in saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. And so the, their scoffing is centered around this idea that Christ hasn't made good on his promise of returning and that all things are as they were from the time of creation. Um, any problems with that train of thought? Are all things as they were from the time of creation? And even from a natural sense, I would argue that things were not as they were from creation. Um, there was once a time when everything was perfect. And so they're denying the whole idea of God as creator. They would be denying the idea of the existence of the fall of man. Um, they're denying, as Dave is talking about, the idea of, of Jesus coming and fulfilling the law perfectly and dying in the place of humanity. Uh, and they're, they're denying that Jesus even ever came to begin with. And so there, there's a lot of flaws here, um, but, but they would speak these things in such a way that it would cast just little pieces of doubt into the hearts of those believers, that, that would cast little fragments of, of lies into what they believed to be true, and, and it would start to lure people away. And so where's the promise of his coming? Well, Peter says he's coming again, right? The, the, the Bible tells us that he is coming again. And so just because he hasn't come doesn't mean he's not going to make good on that promise. And uh, in fact, we could say he's going to make good on that promise. Why? Because every other promise that has been fulfilled is, has been proven true. And so just because somebody seeks to discredit the word of God or the words of God, just because somebody seeks to discredit God by something he hasn't done yet, uh, we can't discredit everything else that God has already done just because there are some things that, that haven't been done. And so their line of reasoning is, is off, is off, I'm sorry. Their line of reasoning was one that was, was strictly seeking to manipulate uh, rather than truthfully looking at the facts. And in part, um, this, this is one of the problems that I have with a lot of modern theological systems is that they want to discredit the things of the past because they're hard to understand. Um, so things like, historic creation or a a true flood or a real Adam who fell. So many people just want to say that those things are what? They're just allegory. They're just allegory. They're just pointing to what all of humanity faced as a problem as a whole. But what are we doing in in saying that? Well, we're discrediting even what Jesus said. Did Jesus refer to a real Noah? Yeah. Did Jesus refer to a real Adam? He did. And what is Jesus? He's the second Adam. So if there was no real first Adam, couldn't that also lead us to believe that there wasn't a need for a real second Adam? And so we have to be careful in discrediting the things of the past because it's going to make us doubt what? The things of the future. 
But if we can hold true to things that are hard to understand, then, then we have faith in the past that will give us faith to the future. Now, Dave Littlefield and I were talking about that this week, that there are some things within Scripture that we don't have to make top tier, right? If, if somebody's struggling with the idea of Christ as Savior, or you're talking to somebody about Jesus being the Savior of the world, and they're struggling with the idea of, of creation or a real Adam, is it okay to set some of those things aside to talk about Jesus first and then let them understand that and then they can believe the rest of the story? Absolutely. That's not, I don't think, what Peter is getting at here. He's not saying that, that we, we can um, forget those things, but, but Jesus is, is the primary thing that we need to remember. And in faith in him, we'll then have faith in others. And so these false teachers were coming in and doubting the idea that Christ was coming again, doubting that there had been any changes in God's relationship with humanity from the beginning of creation. They were oversimplifying things. They were imposing their timeline on God. They were ignoring the fact that Christ had already come and gave himself in a sacrificial way. They were seeking to influence people with manipulation. They were seeking to influence people with their ignorance concerning things of the past because of what they wanted to see take place in the future. And so Peter says, this is what the scoffers are going to do. They're going to come in and they're going to start questioning all the things that you claim to believe that give you hope for a future. And isn't that exactly what the enemy has always done? When, when Adam and Eve were in the garden and the serpent came in, did he not question the very things that gave them peace and hope and life? He did. He questioned the very words of God. And that's what these scoffers are going to do. They're going to come in and begin questioning the things that you once held as true. And if they can get you to give up on those things, um, then they have you in the palm of your hand, their hand. And they can do with you what they want to do with you at that moment because you'll be believing everything that they have to say. Any thoughts on verse number four? Yes, Justin. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think that uh, pride and selfishness are some of the greatest sins that keep people from seeing the truth. It's true. Anybody else? Any thoughts on verse number four? Heidi. For sure. Anybody else? Justin? Yeah. Well, even even if they've they've never heard what does Romans one tell us? That they're without excuse. Why? Because of the work that God has done in them in creating them, and creating the world around them. And so um, there, there will no be there will, there will be no excuse in that day. Any thought other thoughts on verse number four about the scoffers and the message that they bring? Have you ever thought to yourself, how foolish can people be to believe a lie? How many lies have you believed? You see somebody walking astray, and you're like, man, it's so simple. Like, can't they just see the truth? Can't they just see it how how I see it? And uh, we've all been there. And so instead of casting judgment on those that we see who are giving themselves to, to things other than the Word of God or believing in things other than the Word of God, I, I think 
we should be like Peter. And I, I honestly think Peter was writing with a heart of compassion. Why? Because he didn't want to see these believers or those who are interested in Christianity, those who are coming to these churches. He didn't want to see them lured away by these false teachers. And that's why he wrote, not with arrogance, um, but with the heart of compassion to these people um, because he cared for the eternal state of their souls. And so what are, what are Peter's instructions to us? What are the, the instructions for us? Simply this, remember to remember. Make it a priority to remember what the Word of God says. To, to make it a priority to be familiar with the truth of God's Word so that when scoffers come, you can stand up against them. You, you can have an argument um, against what they're saying that is grounded not in your beliefs or your feelings, but in the truth. Um, one of the things that always makes me chuckle is when, when people, going back to what Dave said, when, when they base all of their knowledge of, of God upon their feelings. Well, my feelings change all the time, right? Like day in and day out, hour in, hour out, my, my feelings are constantly changing. And so I can't base my understanding of God upon my feelings. I have to base my understanding of God on what the Word of God says. Now, does the Word of God help dictate my feelings? It does when I allow it, uh, but so often I don't allow it. And so that's why we have to keep going back to the Word of God. So remember to remember. Stir up your minds in a way of remembrance that we can believe what the prophets and what the apostles wrote uh, for our good and for the glory of God. Let's pray. God, we thank you again for this time. I do pray that you'd be with us tonight as we leave. Keep us safe on our way home. I do pray uh, that we would take these words to heart, God, that we would seek to stay on the path that you would have us to be on. And God, we know you've given us your word uh, for our good, that we would walk in a way that brings glory to your name. And God, I pray that we would, we would desire to do just that. And the areas of our life where um, maybe our feelings disagree with your word, God, I, I pray that we would yield our feelings to your word and let it reign in our lives supremely. We thank you again uh, for your love for us. I pray you bring us back safely Wednesday night, next Sunday, as we come to worship you again. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.